Welcome to the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, holistic nutrition coach and speaker. Together, we'll be diving into much more than just another conversation around sugar addiction and nutrition. But more importantly, I'll be guiding you through the inner work and spiritual healing that lies at the root of your unhealthy habits with food. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode here on the Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, sugar freedom coach and speaker. And I am so excited for today's episode because this is something we have not done on the podcast yet. My dear friend, Maddie Lansdowne, and I just jumped on a Zoom chat to go back and forth, deep diving into how we help our clients with emotional eating. We're both specialists in this area and having been friends with Maddie for over three years now, we've never actually had this conversation between the two of us in, you know, sharing ideas and tips and the different nuances and how we both support our clients with this really potent and important part of your journey to food freedom. So we jumped on a Zoom call just to go back and forth, hash it out, share our resources and tips and tricks. And we thought it would be really, really fun to record this for all of you to listen in and eavesdrop into our conversation. So that's exactly what we do in today's episode. So this is kind of unique. This is not an interview style episode. We're just going back and forth, sharing some really, really big eye-opening pieces that I know you're all going to really resonate with and absolutely love because ultimately as human beings, I believe we are all emotional eaters. We are all driven by our emotions to do certain things or avoid certain things and how this can actually be at the root of your addiction with sugar, your addiction with food, your dependencies, your overeating, your binge eating, all of the struggles that almost every woman I know have. And I know Maddie works pretty much exclusively with women as well. So we really can bring you some, and we do bring you some really, really incredible tips and information that you have probably never heard before when it comes to really getting a handle on this emotional eating. So some of the things we talk about, you know, are really starting at the the base level with what is emotional eating? How do we know if we're emotional eaters? Why? are most women emotional driven eaters? Like what is actually going on? I loved this conversation that we had around that. We also talk about the difference between emotional eating and sugar addiction. And of course we dive deep, both of us into how we help our clients start shifting out of these habits to ultimately achieve peace and freedom with food. Maddie shares some amazing tips. I share some amazing tips and behind the scenes of of things that we do in our programs and coaching one-on-one with our clients. So this is a very special episode if you haven't gathered that already. And I'm so excited uh, to dive in. If you haven't already been introduced to Maddie, he was on the podcast way back in the beginning when it started. I believe it was episode 10. Go and take a look at that. If you haven't, Maddie is such a wealth of knowledge and powerhouse. I'm so honored to call him my friend and my colleague. He is a go-to wealth of information for me personally. When I'm navigating my health challenges, I go to Maddie and I know that you are going to love his energy as well. And and the fun banter that we have back and forth (laughs) as good friends. So Maddie Lansdowne is a scientist. He's a nutritionist and a health coach that specializes in weight loss and self-confidence for women and busy moms. So starting out in the field of nutritional epigenetics and spending several years working in hospitals as part of a disease research team, Maddie believes that most disease and illness is not due to bad luck, but as a result of poor nutrition and lifestyle choices. 
Maddie's extensive experience has allowed him to uncover the deeper challenges people have with their health, which isn't about counting calories or kale, but in fact, mindset and behavior change. Having been on his own personal development journey, Maddie is now super passionate about showing people how to level up in their health so that healthy habits and the best food choices come actually naturally and easy. Maddie also has a podcast that I have been the honor, had the honor of being a guest on a few times. That's called how to not get sick and die. Go and definitely check out Maddie's podcast. You're going to, it is binge worthy. You're going to want to listen to all of those episodes. If nothing else, head on over and listen to the, the few episodes that I've done over there on his, on his podcast. But he said some pretty special guests and some really potent and powerful conversations that are really eye-opening um, for many reasons in diet, mindset, lifestyle style and all things habits. So go and check out his, his podcast. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and play this in this. That's not an interview, this chit chat that I've had with my friend, Maddie about really deep diving into all things, emotional eating. I cannot wait to hear your biggest takeaways from this conversation. So be sure to come on over, send me an email, send me a DM on Instagram. I would love to hear your feedback and what your biggest mind-blowing moment was from this conversation with Maddie. So let's dive in. We're live. We're recording. Where do we start? It's happening. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> okay. So we want to have this really deep conversation, right. About emotional eating and, um, Maddie, you and I both specialize in this area and helping women, um, with emotional eating and overcoming emotional eating. And this is something that we've wanted to talk about for years and we never have. Mm -hmm. So we're doing it and we're doing it like raw and uncut and we have no idea what's going to happen here. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about it. And I think as we've kind of, we've, we spend a lot of time together, you know, off recording podcasts, but, um, when, you know, the, my thing was evolving, I guess my services and products were evolving. I, I kept, as we talked about, kept being like, oh no, Danny's going to think I'm coming into her space and trying to steal her business and her clients. And, and I felt, because it was always a part of what I did. It's just the way that I articulated it to, to the masses, to the listeners is the thing that changed. And so I think maybe that probably drove, uh, I don't want to talk to Danny in case she says, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. So for a little backstory for everybody listening who doesn't know this, Maddie and I, how long have we known each other now? Like four years, four or five years. Yeah. Four or so years. We met on a summit eons ago and we have since mm -hmm. just hit it off as, as awesome friends. And even though we've never met in person, which totally mm. blows my mind, we will, we will, we have plans, everybody. We have plans. Stay tuned for some sort of in-person photo um, within the year. Keep, hold us to that. 12 months. Look, we've got a goal. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, we've, we've known each other and become like really close friends. We've supported each other through some like really shit, <laughs> some mm. big stuff emotionally and with our families and just all sorts of stuff. And now mm. we have the pleasure of masterminding together. So for, I don't know, has, yeah. it, been, has it been a year yet? Not quite. We have an, a couple others in the group and we meet every week actually, and co-work together. And, and, um, once a month we do a deep dive mastermind together with a couple others and mm -hmm. it's been really fun. And I, I definitely consider you one of my close friends and it just boggles my mind that we've never had this conversation. And <laughs> yeah, we do. Like we talk often about how your program is, has some overlap and is very similar to my program and how I work with my clients, but we've mm -hmm. never actually like hashed it out. So I'm like really curious. And we thought, why don't we just record this and share this with all everybody who wants to listen to. So I'm really curious, like your approach to emotional eating and 
yeah, how you work with clients, how it, how, how that all unfolds. So I don't know where, Mm -hmm. where we want to start, maybe like starting with the basics and like, what is emotional eating to you? Right. And maybe like, why are we emotional eaters? And then I'll share my bits and we'll go back and forth. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds great. Um, all right. So what is emotional eating to me? So to me, emotional eating is eating for any reason that is not nutritional requirement. If we were to put a textbook definition on it, it would look something like that, which then begs the question um, that a lot of people are unaware of, which is at what point am I eating for emotions and not nutritional requirement? Because a lot of people don't have the awareness that they're emotional eaters. I've had a lot of people come through my program for the nutritional aspect and being like, I never would have called myself an emotional eater until I did your program. And so, yeah, in a nutshell, I would just say that, yeah, it's for any reason that's not nutritional, biological requirement of operating your body, putting food in would yeah come under some kind of other motivating factor that drives you to eat, which could be social, which is fundamentally emotion. You might feel any type of emotion, stress, obligation, shame, you know, not involving yourself in Friday night drinks because your friends are giving you shit for that. FOMO, FOMO is an emotion. FOMO's <laughs> huge. Like, oh, FOMO's huge with like sugar and walking totally. into the supermarket and thinking, oh, I'll do it today, but I won't do it tomorrow. But the problem is we it's always today. It's never yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the way I view it. And then I guess on my own journey of discovery of you know, the human body and the mind and the awareness of reality and ourselves and metacognition and, you know, the, the art of thinking of thinking. Um, like we we spend so much time on autopilot. And I think we're just so in the modern world where stresses and we were just hanging out with Karen Martell as well, talking about, you know, the, the stress of daily life in this era. Um, and it's just so much that to even get alone by yourself to check in and know how to check in, know how to identify your body, what you're feeling, your emotions, be able to label those emotions is almost a forgotten art, which is why you and I have relevance. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. So that's What about you? Yeah. No, really well said. Like I agree with every, everything you said, you know, how I would word it is, is really like, and, and I, fi- I find this really exciting. I'm so excited for our conversation, obviously, because you come at coming at this with more science and research and more like mm-hmm. of that, you know, all of your amazing background. And, and I feel like my journey through this as an emotional eater myself, I know we both are, I know we both mm-hmm. talk about that, like, oh crap, I emotionally today. Right. <laughs> we yeah, still do it, it guys. Newsflash. Yep. I know Maddie yep. does. I know Maddie does. And I definitely, 100%. Do. definitely do. So Yeah. It's, um, you know, for me, my journey to like understanding this has really come maybe from more of a feminine perspective and a more like experiential, maybe even like spiritual aspect as well, as I've been on my own like path of inner healing and growth and spiritual curiosity. And so like, you know, I'm coming at it from, from that sort of angle as a woman Mm -hmm. as well, which is, so it's kind of cool. I just, you know, reiterating again, how excited I have to have this conversation. So, (laughs) um, you know, as I do, uh, so yeah, emotional eating for me, like I would describe it exactly what you said, but I would almost mm-hmm. say it like, you know, it's, it's the, the turning to food and eating for food for any, like for any emotional response, right. Whether it's joy or sadness or depression, right. Like there's an emotional yeah. response in the body and we're using food as a coping mechanism or as something to, to heighten that sense of whatever celebration or so there's like this deep emotional connection to why we're eating. I think that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, why am I eating? Is it because my body needs fuel or is it for 
Like, is it something else that's deeper going on, right? That like I'm uncomfortable yeah. in my body and I don't know how to feel and, and I'm going to stuff it down with donuts and hopefully make myself feel better. Right. So yeah, I think, I think that's kind of like, that's just to add on to what you said in that. Mm. And yeah, um, I think the lines get really blurred for people too, because of the modern diet and lifestyle. So often you physically feel hungry. You do like, and, and it's because we've got these deeply entrenched habits. And I think, you know, one of the biggest factors, and I'd be super curious how you take people basically from zero to one from like interpreting their body as like, I'm hungry at this time at 7am in the morning when it's just a hardwired response, hormonal response that we, we can change quite easily. Um, or, you know, the types of foods that they eat lead to hunger. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, yeah. How do you take people from no awareness of emotions and that they're being driven by emotions to being like, oh, so I'm not really hungry? Because that's kind of confusing, right? It's like, yeah. I do feel hungry, but am I? <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm so glad you said that. That's such a good question because I do see that so much with all of my clients, there's this, this, I'm going to say the word pandemic. There's like an epidemic. Ooh. We'll say an epidemic. Sorry. Wrong word. Of that, like, that, yeah. That word has totally lost its value. It's totally lost all, <laughs> yeah, all meaning. <laughs> um, it's like, it really comes down to the truth that we, the society that we grew up in, I know you're in Australia, I'm in Canada. Like it's all, we're all in the like, you know, first world problems, right? So mm -hmm. what we've, we've been born into and grown up in is this world where we have been taught to disconnect from our emotional body. So mm -hmm. we are no longer connected with our physical, like let alone our physical body, but there is this actual, like very energetic network that is underlying in our body. And that's what emotions are. They're just, I love that saying, right? Emotions are energy in motion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've been taught to disconnect from that for various reasons that we can get into later, but that, you know, that piece, that's how I approach it is really like, we have to first start reconnecting with our body and reconnecting with, and getting curious about, um, those different sensations, because you're right. It can feel like all hunger is just real hunger. And it's not, it's a very different cue in, in the body. When you start to become aware of it, like, yeah. no, my stomach isn't hungry but my mind is hungry. Okay. That's emotional, right? There's something fucked up going on there. So yeah. we need to start just practicing, getting back into understanding the nuances of those, those signals in the body, right? Mm -hmm. Like, am I actually hungry or is there something else going on? And how I really encourage my clients to do that. Like those who are like total ground zero mm -hmm. is really just starting to build in the habit of pausing before they eat anything. Mm. So yeah. like just taking a pause and asking yourself, what's coming up in the body, not even what I'm feeling because yeah. most women, actually all my clients are so blocked from feeling anything that that question of what am I feeling right now brings up nothing because you're not feeling anything. A lot of my clients, I'm curious if you have that too, Maddie, are really just like flatlined, like, you know, not yeah. feeling too much joy, not feeling too much sadness, kind of just blah all day long. And that's very normal. If anybody here is like, is, you know, like, oh, that's me. It's very normal. This is like usually a trauma response or some sort of mm. like learned response to just like be mundane all day and not get too in connected with your emotions. So very normal. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And it, it just really takes that curiosity and that daily practice of like tuning in. So I would use more language, like what's coming up in my body or what sensations am I feeling in my body and helping yeah. people really start at ground level beyond like before even trying to label an emotion. Cause I don't think labeling an emotion matters. Mm -hmm. I don't think it matters. Cause it's your lived experience of like that stress being tightness in the jaw and heaviness in the shoulders or like a knot in your stomach. Mm -hmm. Those are the signals that 
that will help you essentially like somatically connect with what's really going on. So you can start to tell, is this real hunger or is it just like stress? Cause I'm like this, right. And my jaw is tense and stuff. So we have to start getting curious, like before you're eating, like how, what's coming up in your body. Right. Mm-hmm. And just start keeping track of that, you know, right. Start journaling it, keeping track of it. Cause we'll forget what happened yesterday. So we need to write it down and then you'll start noticing patterns, right? Like, Oh, I'm, I am eating like, and just bringing that awareness to checking in before you eat or drink anything will be enough to, to start building that, that deep understanding of like, what's really going on. And over even a couple of days, definitely over a couple of weeks, you'll start noticing, Oh, I'm not hungry. There's something else going on here. Yeah. Do you, what, what do you do? Does that, does any of that, is any of that stuff that you do too? Or what do you, how do you help your clients get from like zero to one? Pretty similar actually. Like, um, yeah, diary. So in the beginning, we don't really change anything. Diary. <laughs> diary. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually call it like the transformation diary. Oh, um, and that, I had and a that, diary when I was a kid. <laughs> and that component at the back is the, um, the transformation tracker. So yeah. the idea is that we don't count calories. We don't weigh food or anything like that. Yeah. But we do write down the food we eat, like just what's on the plate, approximately not every ingredient, um, the emotion and the location. Um, and so the idea of that first couple of weeks of collecting that data is because I say, don't change anything, even though everybody's like, I'm on a health program. I feel this urge to change everything. Cause uh, you know, that's what I've done on every other diet. Um, it's really just collecting data so that people can bring themselves into their own awareness. Yeah. Um, and they're like, and s- people start even losing weight in that phase because they're like, whoa, I didn't know I was doing this. And they just start self-correcting, which is so much more empowering than me telling anybody what to do, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's really good that they that we go through that phase. But I, um, I, I do the same thing, have the same issue with people saying, um, I don't know what I'm feeling. And, you know, I, I sort of focus on like you, women, mothers that have been surviving as mum, wife, career, entrepreneur, all the things that they're kind of flatlining to, they're numb because that's how they've had to operate as a mother to survive, to, to provide for everyone else. Um, and they're in this space of just like, this gets me through every single day, so I'll stay here. Um, and so I, I actually think progressing toward, and this might be a little point of difference for us, is that based on my understanding of uh, therapy research and psychology research is that the people that are more likely to benefit from uh, a mindset, mindset work or deep work um, is often based on their ability to intellectualize and then verbalize the stage of the journey that they're at. And what that looks like is being able to label emotions. Um, And like there's tools like emotion wheels and emotion spectrums that have got all the different ways that can explain how you you feel but if you are if you only have good and bad you could actually be making significant process uh, progress rather from really really bad all the way to it just feels uncomfortable today both of those kind of fit in the bad category but they're enormously different in experience and then there's irritable and frustrated and so therapy research shows that the more words that you're able to pull out and identify where on the journey you are the more likely you are to progress and succeed with with Mm -hmm. healing that so I think it's important important and I totally agree with the energy thing as well in the beginning if you can't label it spending time with yourself feeling in the body where you feel the feelings sometimes you might feel anger in your forehead or anxiety in your stomach like, you know, starting there. And, and I've got some people too that literally just do smiley faces in the emotion box. It's like, I feel like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
all of that works. And I, but I think also the art of becoming literate in yourself and being like, this is pretty much exactly what it is really allows successful progress. It allows a greater level of self-awareness. Um, and also if you can become that literate in yourself, your relationships around you are going to improve too, because the way that you show up and communicate, because one of the the downfalls of intimate relationships is communication. It's not being able to say exactly what's going on. Um, And in my life, and I know many of my friends too, the amount of arguments that I had with, you should just know Mm. what to do is it's an awful, it's an awful way to operate in a relationship. And that all comes down to that individual's inability to say, this is exactly what's going on for me. And here's the exact solution. And it's not always going to be perfect, obviously, but coming back to being able to, to verbalize and articulate where you are on the journey, I think has um, not just benefit to an emotional eating journey and therapy, but it, I think it's tenfold. It improves your relationships with your friends, with your family members. You attract other people in that are able to communicate on that level. And it's, it's all just part of the growth. So so yeah, that's yeah. the way I kind of come at it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes so much sense. And I'm definitely not saying, right, that there's that I don't think anybody should label emotions. I think that that mm-hmm. can definitely be helpful. Um, you know, the reason I said what I said too around that was because like what I see in my practice in a big way is that we've been, we've become so disconnected from ourselves that, and our bodies that when we, you know, I've seen this with myself and my clients, when we get so obsessed, right. This is, this is, I guess why I said that, right. To not become obsessed over needing to have a label. I've seen Mm -hmm. so many people try to like, "Ah, I can't quite label it or I can't figure it out. And then that just like makes it worse. Right. And we're starting to like, Mm -hmm. then, then judge ourselves for not being able to label an emotion or like, and and staying in our head a lot, right? This is, mm-hmm. this is really where like, I'm passionate about this work because an emotion is, yes, there's a thought that comes after it, like of what it is mm-hmm. and being able to articulate it and label it, but it's, it's an in the body experience. So yeah. we need to like start there and not necessarily spend all of our energy because our, our, our desire in the society we grew up in is to just think our way through everything think our way through problems, think our way through a solution, everything. Mm -hmm. And that's not where the answers lie. Like I'm, I'm such an intuitive person and connecting with our inner wisdom and our higher self and, and like the whispers from within. And that's the more you connect with actual sensations in your body. So definitely Mm -hmm. labeling emotions can be helpful, very helpful. Right. But there's most people are not at that stage and most people will use that as a way to just get really overwhelmed more in their head than they were before and Mm -hmm. like continue to just try to think their way through what am I feeling versus feeling their way through what they're feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah. no. So there's a balance, right? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's probably an important little disclaimer to share with anyone listening is that we, we're, you and I are the practitioners that work with many different people and personalities. And so right now we're talking, you know, as, as two colleagues through our methodology. And so it's not about, yeah, it's definitely not about feeling judged if you can't label it, if you can't find it. Um, everyone's on a different spot of their journey. And, you know, even though the way I think about it as a practitioner is is like, well, you know, we're at this stage of the journey. I would never verbalize it like that to someone in front of me that needed help, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it wouldn't be like, if you can't say it's, you know, frustrated or irritable, yeah. this is, we're not making progress. You know, it's, it's not like that. Um, it's just more like introducing people to like, there's other ways to do it. And, and I do the same thing. As soon as you can't label it back into the body feelings, yeah. energy, where do you feel it? How can I, I talk a lot about downloading energy from the body? Because um, 
I really think that when we've got tension in the body or we've had a fight or we've been triggered or something that if you, if just talking about it doesn't work, um, getting it out of the, the body with a pen um, or, or, you know, you could scream into a pillow, but whatever it is, physically moving something out of your body into physical reality. Like, and I, and I personally enjoy journaling, but, and it's, and I really, you've also got to, you don't just do it. You've got to attach the idea in, in the visualization of downloading in your head. So I literally imagine as I'm looking at the page writing for myself and I encourage everybody to do this, imagine like this red stuff, you know, this energy coming from wherever it is in my body out of my arm through the pen onto yeah. the paper. And it really works to, to, to move that. And so even I in my personal life do the same thing. If it's just noise in my mind, I'm just like, get it out of the body, you know? And, and then once it's out, I don't even need to label it at that point. It's gone. Right. Um, so that's, that's another strategy is that, yeah, you can come back to, yeah, just, just those feelings and where it's at. I love that. Yeah. I love that one. That's so good. I had this picture of like black smoke. Cause I've done a lot of visualizations yeah. <laughs> of that before, like getting the black smoke out. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but I, know, I just learned about rage writing a while ago and that was a super helpful <laughs> tool for me a few months ago. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. Well, in many cases for me, that's kind of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. That's really, it sounds like that's what's happening, but are you like ripping it and then burning it? Like I went all out. Like it was, it was hardcore. It was so great. <laughs> I'm definitely so great. not. Well, my, my thought is that, that my journal that I and I share this with clients too, is that like, if you're putting your deepest stuff in here, you want to go and buy a nice journal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I love the feel of mine. I spent a bit of money on mine and like, you know, it's got my initials on it in boast. Oh yeah. It's like, it's, it's sacred, right? You're pouring your, the deepest parts of your soul into this that you hope probably nobody ever reads um, because it's totally out of context and they might think you're a raging monster. Um. (laughs) Don't read. I would love to read your diary. Oh my God. (laughs) I tell my clients at the start of every program, like go invest in a beautiful journal. Like you want this to be something that you like energetically want to have with you all the time. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I love that. I totally feel the same. So, so yeah, no, I think, yeah, I, I feel like we're okay. in the same ballpark for sure. Yeah, totally. Totally. So <laughs> I, I love this question. Cause like, I kind of like, I want to, I want to talk about this. So I'm going to ask it to you. <laughs> um, you know, why do you think we are emotional eaters? Like, where do you think, like, I'm such a big fan of like root cause awareness, right? Like, why do you think this is a thing? Like why, like I, my opinion is like, you know, 80, 90% of humans are well, I think we all actually know hundred percent of humans are emotional eaters. Like we all have some sort of emotional connection oh, to food and yeah. some reaction. So like, why do you think that is? Where does that come from? I think that's a multi-layered answer because just as you corrected and went, went to hundred percent, it yeah. made me think of like tribes, right? Tribes have co- like food culture built into them, even though 99% of the year they hunt and do all of the things that they used to do back in the day just for survival. They do have festivities and rituals where they, you know, go and kill a bunch of animals and feast. And that, that you know, at some point that becomes an emotional uh, social gathering connection type thing, which we still do today, obviously. We catch up over food. We have big events that are based around food. Um, and But I guess, yeah, getting to like why i think the reality is we do have first world problems um and that is the fact that food is super available and when we're stressed traumatized hurt broken any of the uncomfortable aka negative emotional experiences the body and your brain and your hormones are seeking balance and to seek that balance, we've got cortisol and adrenaline maybe or, that are high in response to any uncomfortable emotion because it's, it's a stress on the body. 
And the counter to that would be your serotonin and your dopamine, which is your happy hormones. And so the, the brain is fantastic in the sense that we've solved millions and millions of problems over millions of years to get to this amazing first world that we've got in 2022. But the, the brain also doesn't have a bias as to the problems that it solves. It, it just goes, what is the fastest way to, lo- to increase dopamine and lower cortisol? The fastest, way, yeah, the fastest way to do that is sugar. Um, and, and then it automates that process. And so going back to the emotions, it's really important for people to realize that once you identify yourself as an emotional eater, that's a symptom. Once we identify the emotion, that emotion is still a symptom. Yeah. It's still not the cause. It's still not the cause. And so I have an exercise called the Y times five, which is just the title. Sometimes it's Y times three. Sometimes it's Y times 27. Um, but it's basically just the perpetual peeling of the onion to find the core thing. And the core thing could be a childhood trauma, could be having kids and just being in survival mode for the last 10 years. It could be literally you've just been programmed for 40 years by a billion dollar in- industry that's designed to program you in a certain way. So I think... Yeah, I think the natural state of the brain is to find uh, the fastest way to a solution possible. And when we have something that's not just emotionally addictive, but actually cellularly and biologically addictive, the brain is like, it's a low barrier to entry solution to the problem in the short term. We obviously know it's not in the long term, otherwise you and I wouldn't need to exist. Um, But I think that's why, you know, accompanied with, there's a social aspect to it, there's a cultural aspect to it which I think both of those are actually okay because it connects us as a community. It's all of the additional snacking and self-punishment and and surviving outside of that emotional eating. um, That is the unhelpful stuff. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. You really brought up something interesting there too, because that could be a good like side tangent, you know, around like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that food shouldn't bring you joy or food shouldn't be Mm. enjoyable or like, I think it's more like, you know, how we're using it on the front end, you know, and like, is this getting, am I overeating every day because I'm using it for an emotional crutch, right. Versus like, yeah, Yeah. I'm, I'm at a wedding and I'm enjoying the food and like, it's Christmas dinner and we're like enjoying food together. And it's really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Like food should be an enjoyable experience. I think we have so much like, oh my God, we have so much food fear and shame that it's like Mm -hmm. sitting down to have a meal or like, eating a piece of bread is like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person as we're like putting it in our (laughs) mouth. And like, how is that helping? Right? Like it's not just eat the bread, enjoy it. Like that's my opinion. Totally. totally. And I I really believe in the idea that um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And so if somebody's beating themselves up for bread, they're beating themselves up for a lot of other things that have got nothing to do with food. Right. I have personal experience with that. Yeah. <laughs> same, same. I was, you know, um, absolutely savage and horrible to myself, which for me, when I peeled, peeled my own onion, um, yeah, it was back to childhood trauma and survival and um, comforting myself and soothing myself. And, and I had to work through all of those issues myself. And so, which is how I came to be able to be aware of this stuff, because I didn't want to live the life of my grandparents and my parents and my uncles and, and the men that I was surrounded by growing up. I was like, I want a better life. Everyone seems miserable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we have very similar stories in that. I know we've had lots of conversations about our families and our like <laughs> upbringing and lineage and our moms. Sorry, mom, if yeah. you're listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that is really where it starts, right? Like mm. it's, it's so, 
it's so deep and entrenched. And I'm assuming everybody who's wanting to listen to this, right? Like, you know, that there's obviously, you know, a way out and there's also a reason mm-hmm. that we want to not be emotional eating, right? Like it's obviously not helping, um, especially mm. when we're not emotional eating on cucumbers all day long and steak, right? Like we're emotional eating yeah. on <laughs> chips and candy and crap and, and all those things. Well, so. And you can, you can totally overeat healthy food. You can totally emotionally eat, yeah. you know, things that, you think or feel are not as bad as sugar. You know, like there was a big conversation in my program just last night about artificial sweeteners. Um, And I said, before we talk about that, you need to make sure that two things are not happening, that you're just emotionally eating things that you believe are healthier. Um, And two, that artificial sweeteners often drive overeating because they don't actually give you the sugar the brain is expecting. So like it can kind of, you know, your, your plan to make a better move can actually kind of, fold back in on itself. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Side tangent, but yeah, we'll have to do another one on artificial sweeteners. Yeah. I, I, I do well, not agree. We know, we know you and I could basically talk forever. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know everybody prepare for a three hour long podcast. <laughs> we are now Joe Reagan. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you think anybody would stay around for three hours? I'm curious. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let us know. Yeah. Um, okay. So my view on this, and I'm like really passionately believe in this because this, I've seen this in my own life and I see this now, like really I'm getting very curious. I'm learning a lot about trauma. My husband's actually doing some trauma, somatic trauma training right now. And we're just really understanding like mm-hmm. how these attachments and patterns start for all of us in the first seven years of life. Mm. Um, and when it comes to emotions, like what I've seen, I always kind of share this in like a twofold way when it, when, when people ask me, like, why do we emotionally eat? Like, where's this actually coming from? Number one, like we all, we all, I can say that if you have a computer or a phone and you're listening to this episode, right? Like you, you're, you're probably in this category is we've, we've been raised in a society where literally every single emotion on the emotional wheel has some sort of link to food. And usually sugar, right? Like joy, sadness, anger, frustration, like all of it is like immediately. So right when we're born, we start having these connections. We see it in advertising. We see it in the movies when the girl breaks up with her boyfriend and she's eating a tub of ice cream. Like we Mm -hmm. see it everywhere. And the second piece that I think is at the core for like a bigger piece. And this is where I really focus my work with my clients is that we have, we have never been taught. There's a rare breed of human being that has been taught this. Mm-hmm. I've never met one, but I'm sure they're out there like the unicorn, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we have not been taught how to actually feel and be okay in an uncomfortable emotion. Yes. So this is huge because what is going on right now is aside from eating sugar to feel joy or celebrate things. I mean, that's obviously a different emotional piece, but I, where I feel most people are spending their time is using sugar and food to escape the difficult emotions. So why are we escaping the difficult emotions? Because they feel unsafe in our body. Why? Because we've never been taught that they're okay to feel. So right from the first time you fall down as a kid and scrape your knee and start crying. And your mom is like, Oh, stop crying. Let's go get ice cream. You immediately learn. It's not okay to cry. It's not safe to feel emotional in my household. And I need to get out of it as soon as possible. Mom's telling me to stop crying. I guess it's not safe to cry. So I need to go and get a dopamine hit or distract myself or whatever that was. Let's watch Netflix or get ice cream or whatever it is because the parent has been so uncomfortable with that emotion. So Mm -hmm. this is like, this is a huge problem because now we're adults not having any resources or tools to actually support ourselves through an emotion, right? Most kids are just sent to their room 
by themselves when they're angry or having a temper tantrum or they're being yelled at love is being taken away. We're being traumatized more and more emotionally traumatized, which when you're in that, like below age 10, like that's a real trauma because you are dependent on your parents for survival. And if they don't emotionally hold space for you and support you in like letting you cry or letting you be angry and teaching you how to actually deal with that in a healthy way. You got anger. Great. Mm -hmm. Let's go outside and like throw rocks in the lake or let's have a pillow fight or let's like, Mm -hmm. let's scream together. Right. Like let's actually like do things that are healthy instead of hitting your sister or like my Mm -hmm. husband would bite his sisters. That's a whole nother nother way of dealing with anger, but we've, we've never been given the tools. So we're now humans while we're children in adult bodies, (laughs) <laughs> now, like whenever a difficult emotion comes up, which it does every day, that's part of our current reality as humans, yeah. there's a difficult emotion every single day that feels uncomfortable in the body. Our subconscious patterning goes, oh my God, get out of it as quick as possible. This isn't safe. You're not safe. This isn't safe. Get out of it. And we use this terminology and I'm curious about you because you corrected yourself with this. So I'm curious if you do this as well. Like I do my best to never use the word negative emotion, because Mm -hmm. one of the beliefs that we have is that these difficult emotions aren't meant to be felt. And there's something wrong with us if Mm -hmm. we feel depressed or if we have anxiety or if we're angry, right? Mm -hmm. There's like this, they're negative. So we should never feel them. There's almost this collective belief. Like we shouldn't feel these heavy emotions. And then we start guilting and shaming ourselves for feeling like shit. And -hmm. it just creates this whole like well, emotional roller coaster that then we're like, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to binge on food. Like, forget it. Right. And yeah. it's become so subconscious now because we just do not have these tools to sit with our emotions. So that's the first thing I do stage one with my clients is like, we're going to create space for you to actually like sit. If you're sad, like you, you don't have to sit, you can like walk if you want, but like, you know, like <laughs> be with yourself and practice knowing how to support yourself. And, and actually the more we allow ourselves to feel an emotion, because that's the thing we have never allowed ourselves to feel an emotion. We've been Mm -hmm. escaping our whole life. Yeah. So we need to first start feeling again. And this is the hardest part because feeling sucks. (laughs) Like (laughs) it doesn't suck. It's actually, I love it. Now when an emotion comes up, I'm like, yes, here come the tears. Like I know, cause I know Mm -hmm. that it's so healing for me and Mm -hmm. that I'm releasing it and not holding it in. So But in the beginning, it's really uncomfortable because you've never felt Mm -hmm. rage or you've never felt like allowed yourself to feel depressed or anxious because we just, we've Mm -hmm. never, we've never been taught that it's important and it's an important part of human health Mm -hmm. and like on so many levels. Right. So that's kind of where I see it coming from in a really big way. It's like these patterning that we've just never, we've never been taught number one, that we should be feeling heavy Mm -hmm. emotions. It's part of the human experience. Right? You can't totally. feel joy without total sadness, right? And grief and whatever. Yeah. So we have to embrace both sides and and find a way to do that so we can start feeling like safe in the body and repatterning our beliefs about that. And obviously there's a lot of work to do around that, but mm-hmm. that's that's a big part. Yeah, totally. I think I feel I really like the idea of using the words heavy emotions and uncomfortable yeah. emotions. Um, at the same time though, I think like a lot of people, they need clarity in their journey and it's okay to call a spade a spade, which is like, because when you get on the other side of the heavy emotion, you look back and you're like, that was shit. That felt yeah. terrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and so it's uh, like, in some ways, I think it, it is okay to be like, yeah, that was a negative experience that affected me in a negative way. The tool set that I've now acquired allows me to accept that as true 
and for it to be okay and then transition into a place where I feel contentment or stability again. I won't, I won't say positive because we oscillate between negative and positive, right? Every and day. I think, yeah, and I think everybody's goal in life is really the middle, the content, okay, stable, calm type thing. So I think, yeah, I like, I like all of them. It's, it's just like a toolbox, right? Like it depends on the context. It depends on the person. Um, and, and, and I know some people that are very sort of matter of fact, it's like, you know, you want more clarity in defining what that means. Um, and, and sometimes some people can feel like those terms are vague. Other people are like, oh, I love the flexibility of those terms, you know? Um, so, so it's a little bit like that. And I guess the other thing too is, there's a there's a balance of our our nervous system that's trying to fit into society and survive so obviously it would be ideal that we were all raised with these um, perfect parents that allowed us to express our emotion in every moment but try expression expressing your moment at 2 p.m after a, a pasta filled lunch in a corporate business meeting because there is an aspect about this you know putting down i don't know now we use food but like um, pausing and, and releasing later that yeah. is actually necessary for social function. So yeah. it's, it's also, we also don't want to create the next generation of spoiled brats that just scream every time they kick their toe, um, <laughs> right. irre- irrelevant of the context that they're in. Right. So it's, it's yeah. and that's a, that's a really sort of developed skill is to be like, I'm having a reaction and an experience right now, and I'm going to hit pause on it and I'm going to create space at the end of the day, at the end of the week, whatever yep. your life looks like in order to let that out. And yep. that, that's, that's like, that's kind of like almost the end of the road for like, you've got your shit together if you can do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so, cause yeah, cause I guess, yeah, we're in this space where it's a lot of people have been through my program and probably yours too, and said, this has literally changed the way that I'm going to parent. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, there's, there's a balance there between being able to say, and we've got these, we were in this era as well. We've got these like personal development junkies that just go through heaps of courses and books and seminars and don't actually change themselves. They just sit in their wounding and they sit in their trauma and they're like, I'm like this because I was abused or because I had a bad partner and that's their life story. And I think anyone on a personal development journey, you got to be careful not to get stuck there because that that's full of meaning. You get lots of meaning out of sympathy and love and connection and all those dopamine hits you're, you're sourcing from people sympathizing with you and empathizing with you and yeah. showing you that, that they pity you and stuff. So well, this is playing the victim, right? Totally. But, but I guess it's back to that. We haven't dealt with the cause. You're just getting your dopamine hits from another source. That's also not really helping the journey along. Yeah. 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 But it's just more socially acceptable. I'm doing all the, look at me. I'm doing all these courses, right? I'm yeah. working on myself. Totally. Which is, and, and that's not to judge anybody that's on the journey and maybe feeling stuck or maybe being like, none of this is working. Like it's amazing. Keep going, keep attending, keep being a yeah. part of it, but just have some self-awareness that if you're not progressing, you might need a new toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad you mentioned about the like pausing. What I call that is like compartmentalizing. Right. Yeah. And that's so important. I've done that a couple of times myself over the last few months. And I'm like, oh, look at me go. And it is the skill, right? Up. Look at me. I'm doing <laughs> it. <laughs> but it like, it does take a lot of practice and time oh, yeah. because you're so right. I'm so glad you brought that up. I am by no means seeing like, just go around and like throw your emotions out all day long. Right. It's that's <laughs> not how it works. Right. You're going to want to save that stuff for when you're in a safe space. I think when it comes to like releasing emotions, you have to be mm-hmm. in a safe space. So your office yeah. is probably not that but your car is a great safe space or, you know, your home, if you can create some like alone time, I have a sauna. That's like my emotional like place to go. I'll like, go in there and I'll chant and I'll like, just let it out, whatever needs to come out. So like find, mm-hmm. find your safe space, right? That's really, yeah. really important. And 
yeah, being able to compartmentalize also on that too, like something that I've been playing around with is, and this, this sounds super bonkers when I, when I say this to my clients, but like, is, is like conscious numbing out. I call it like conscious avoidance. There's like conscious, not, not saying emotional eat, but like I say, I'll use Netflix for this. So as Maddie knows intimately, like I'm dealing with some, some father stuff, some father wounds. And I'm like working through a lot of big emotions and childhood stuff. Mm-hmm. And like in that process, you know, I've really acknowledged, like sometimes when you're working through something big, it can become all consuming and you can just be like mm-hmm. depressed all the time for weeks and like heavy and sad or whatever is coming up. So I believe that it's actually more loving and supportive for yourself in those times when you're actually working through some big stuff to give Mm -hmm. yourself a mental, emotional pause. So this is where like, I gift myself the time. Like I I did, I like, I did some big crying and work and releasing for like a good two hours. And then I was like, fuck it. I need to watch some Netflix. And I took a break, watched some Netflix. I gave myself a little pause and then shut it off and then went for a walk and continued like helping myself process. So it was like, Sometimes we just need that, that like, it's okay. If you do that consciously, most people aren't at that stage. So I probably shouldn't have even mentioned that. Like that's when you, when you're there and you know, right. Like this is all about committing and knowing that you're going to come back to it, that, Hey, I'm not done with this thing yet, but I'm going to take a bit of a pause and like distract myself in some healthy way. That's, you know, maybe not overeating. Right. Yeah. And then come back to it, but come back to it. That's the important part. This isn't about like ignoring it or leaving it for a year. Like this is like, I I need to come back and continue processing through this stuff. So, um, you know, that's kind of something that I, that I throw in there too. Like what I can numb out. I thought I wasn't supposed to numb out, but I think, I think there's a way to do it like intentionally and in a way that's actually for self-love. Right. And a a mental break. Yeah. I, and I think it's actually, uh, it's not a, like a tool that people, should necessarily use all the time but as you get like along that journey you should be able to decide when it's an appropriate tool to use like my partner has just said something that's really offended me but the kids are here right right and and so it's 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 a really good tool to be like okay we've got to make time for that later but there's a situation going on right now that's of more importance that can't be witness or yeah. um victim to whatever wants to come out of me right now yeah. um so i think yeah it's it's a really good tool for self management and practicing that like what does what actually what is going to come out of me right now is not going to represent me and so yeah. that's another reason it's really good too because and i find that myself is that i need you know, if I was in a really difficult conversation where I was getting angry and it takes a lot to get, get me angry, but if I'm getting there, I could do I it. Ne- <laughs> challenge accepted, <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> but for me, like I need to be like, this needs to stop. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to take five minutes because what's about to come out doesn't actually represent how I feel like, and it doesn't actually represent, it, it represents a part of my ego that wants to hurt back. Um, and wants to defend and wants to protect and that's not all of me right all of me thinks considers all of those thoughts and then comes up with a conclusion um, of like this represents all of us (laughs) you know all the people in my head I mean (laughs) Um, because I'm clinically insane but um, but do you know what I mean so a lot of the times that initial numbing out might be a good tool to be like I'm going to numb out right now with Spotify and a podcast listening to us um, or you know whatever it might be because I need to calm down before I think rationally about responding to this trigger. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I love that you mentioned that. Now we're kind of talking about like conscious communication in a way, yeah. right? Like, but it, it, well, because yeah. now we're totally going to get off on a tangent because this is totally <laughs> what people do is, and I used to do this. This has been a big piece of my work over the last five mm-hmm. years is like 
responding in the moment to a trigger, right? When you're emotionally charged, you are never going to be a good communicator. Worst communication ever, never, ever, ever. But this is how, like, this is how I was raised. This is how like my family still communicates. It's, it's actually a big, like difficult thing with my brother. Cause he just says it how it is. And I'm like, Whoa, like one of the practices that I've really been working through is like actually consciously taking a pause. Cause I know when I reply to anything in an emotionally triggered state, which is only because they've stepped on a wound of mine, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is where we take personal responsibility for our own emotions, by the way, mm-hmm. nobody made you feel anything. You're feeling something because of a past trauma or your own shit. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So dealing with that is really important, important in any like deep relationship. Like you want it, well, any relationship you want to step back, like be aware enough to know like, whoa, I'm triggered. I mm-hmm. need some time alone. I'm going to go and like, support myself with this and maybe journal about like, what, what the heck was so triggering about that? Like, why did that, what did that bring up for me? I mean, that's what I do now in my relationship. Like we're very aware, like when one of us is triggered, that's our own shit. And we need to go and like Mm -hmm. work it out. And then we can come together and debrief like, okay, what, what happened there? Like this actually Mm -hmm. happened. It was yesterday, the day before something came up between Ben and I, and it was like, Oh, let's unpack that later. Go write that down. Let's unpack it later. Like you go figure Mm -hmm. that out and we'll talk about it later. Cause you know, we, we see this as such a different, different way of communicating and being when we can own our own emotional responses and use that as a tool to be curious about our own healing and why that triggered us. And best tool ever in those situations is to give yourself space. Like you just said, so I'm so glad you brought that up. Like take 24 hours. You do not have to respond to a phone call or a text message or an email immediately. People don't know this. People like need permission for this. Like, I feel like we need to give people permission for this. You don't have to respond right away. Now we're going to talk about healthy boundaries, but that's another podcast. (laughs) Well, I was just about to mention boundaries because even though it might sound like we're on a tangent about relationship communication, how you do anything is how you do everything. And this, this comes back to conscious communication with your inner self, with those other voices in your head that you're pushing down with um, cookies, with donuts, with that type of thing. And that initial reaction for most people that we're talking about in this conversation is walk to the pantry, walk to the fridge, walk to the cafe. And which, which if you translated that into an argument with a partner would be saying the stuff you don't mean. Right. Right. So it's like going and punishing yourself with food only to later regret it because right. just like you would if you threw, threw a plate at your partner in the kitchen and, be, and then come back. back. Two, yeah, which and you come back two hours later and you're like, why did I do that? I didn't want to do that, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing. Self-literacy and the way you communicate with self, it, it rolls out to the world yeah. around you, the people around you. So it's, it, it's all relevant. Yeah, I think I believe, this is coming to me now, but I believe, I truly believe that like, any decision or comment you make in a triggered state is going to be more harmful for you, right? Like this is the worst thing to do. This is like any thought or decision that comes up when you know you're emotionally triggered or anything you want to say to someone or even yourself, like stop, stop it because it's going to be like the opposite of what you actually want to do or say, right? Like it's just the ego rearing up trying to like, just protect yourself, right. As a protection mechanism mm-hmm. or safety mechanism, like defend yourself or get your, be heard and seen like all these patterns that we all are, are working on. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so that pause is so powerful. Like the power of just, just taking a step back is, is pretty, it's pretty grown up. It's pretty adult, it's super grown up, <laughs> super grown up. Your little child self would be super proud. <laughs> I'm glad. 
Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> yeah. So good. Okay. So you were asking me a question before, uh, before we started chatting Maddie about like, and I thought it was really good. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, um, on the, like the difference between emotional eating and sugar addiction. You know, a lot of people are like, what, how are they the same? And obviously, you know, both of, both of us work with that in our courses, right? We help people get off the junk and, and get off the emotional eating roller coaster. So like, are they the same? Are they different? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good question. Whenever I get this question and I had it, I think yesterday on a podcast too, um, I think about uh, Bitten Johnson answering that question when I asked her, um, and she's basically the world's leading development person of the addiction protocols around sugar. And she said, the therapists are going to see it as emotional eating. The addiction experts are going to see it as addiction. Um, so they're all looking at the same problem. But I think if we were to pathologize it a little bit for comprehension's sake, it would be everyone that describes himself as a sweet tooth is probably addicted to sugar probably emotionally eating both things are simultaneously happening at the same time the person the odd person in the group that's like yeah can not touch sugar like i can not eat chocolate for a month and it doesn't mean anything i can have a i can have one square of a block of chocolate and leave it in the cupboard for a month like that's the one person in the group and they're usually a very small minority that is not addicted to sugar doesn't mean they're not emotionally eating though however yeah. i would say addicts are definitely emotionally eating right so but in the other direction, it's different. So yeah, I would say there's not much difference unless we're looking at that tiny group of people that can just go without sugar. They're just the only few that are not addicted. <laughs> Those people that everybody hate, right? <laughs> like, how are you doing that? <laughs> they must be the spawn of the devil. <laughs> they must be from another planet. Who are you? How do we get your DNA? Yeah, <laughs> Maddie. But they could just. They could just be compensating though. They could still be emotionally eating with all totally. sorts of other food. They could totally. be, you know, still have obsessive thoughts. And maybe they're that person because they're orthorexic. They're hyper obsessed with body image and got body image issues yeah. and yeah. disordered eating is still a thing. So there's just a tremendous amount of crossover. Yeah. Or they're saying, I get this a lot. Like I don't eat sugar. I could take it or leave it, but man, give me a bag of chips and I'm in it. And I'm like, that's, uh, yeah. that's the same. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. let's be clear. That's the Potatoes same Potatoes are carbohydrates. Yes. Yeah, that's the same thing. Everybody just sorry to burst anybody's bubble out there. It was like, I'm healthy. Are you popcorn and chips? Um, well, the other thing in 2022 is that once upon a time, the question sweet or savory was a legitimate question. Yes. Now it's not sugar is in abundance and everything. And now yeah. it's like, are you sugar or sugar and salt? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's the craziest thing you've ever found sugar in? Oh, I don't like know. That's sugar. a good question. Yeah. Added sugar. Craziest thing I've ever seen added sugar in. Oh, I, don't I feel even like know. I saw I just... one the other day and I can't, I can't remember it. Yeah. I mean, I just, everything. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> just, I mean, like... Potato chips have sugar additives. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember like, I don't know, but this boggled my mind. Like, um, like pre-packaged herbal tea, like Tetley tea or oh, whatever. Yes. I remember being like, what? They're adding sugar into the, like, I don't even get to add my own sugar to the tea now. It's like already built in. And a lot of them um, disguise it when it comes to the tea world um, as honey. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> and right? people are like, honey's natural. Honey, honey and tea go together. It's organic like, honey. <laughs> yeah, still sugar. <laughs> organic vegan honey. Put that one on. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, what about you? Addiction versus emotional eating. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one because, like, when, yeah, when I first think about it, like, it, it to me, it feels different. Like to me, sugar addiction is a physical situation. Is like a physical. Obviously, there's a cellular reaction going on 
from mm-hmm. the gut into like, you know, the, the blood sugar spike dopamine hits like the whole flood of like addictive dopamine that hits when you physically eat. So that's like the physical piece to me. It's like the very physical addiction, which is very yeah. real, very real. Um, and to me, like the emotional eating piece is not physical. It, mm-hmm. Like you feel emotions obviously in the body, but the reason you're like emotional eating is because of the thought pattern, right. Of the, the like mm-hmm. thought emotion of like, I need to get out of this discomfort in my body. So it's more like the mental emotional piece, yeah. um, that's driving you to eat sugar as opposed to like your gut bacteria going feed me sugar So that. <laughs> like, to me, that's like the, the addiction piece, like the dopamine and the, and the, like the, you know, the brain hijacking that takes place when we're over, over consuming sugar. Yeah. And the emotional, and then, yeah, of course, like you can be exactly, you can be emotional eating on anything, right? Like mm-hmm. when I find myself actually last night, you'll laugh at this. <laughs> yeah. Last night I was doing an 18 hour fast and I, I think I ate at like three 30 or I like to do it in the evening, like skip dinner. And I was, I actually made, I made a food cause I had to do some meal prep later. I wasn't eating any of it, but often that's hard for me, like to meal plan. And I just don't even think about it. And I'll like, just take a taste of something or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm like, crap, I'm <laughs> fasting, but I did. I, I, I just like, there was cantaloupe cut up in the fridge. Cause Ben was taking it today with him. And I just like grabbed two squares and I was like, oh crap. Like I was totally, I wasn't hungry. I didn't need to eat. I was like, I just saw it and it looked good. And I had two pieces. I just didn't even think of it. I was like, oh man, mm-hmm. I caught myself. And then the old me would have been like, well, all bets are off. I'm going to like just make dinner and eat popcorn and forget it. I'm not fasting, <laughs> but I put it back in the fridge and I caught myself and I was like, oh boy, like that just happens so easily. Right. Like the subconscious eating when we see it. Right. Or when mm-hmm. we snack, like think of that, right. When things are out on the counter, this is a yeah. great hack. Anybody who like leaves food on the counter, stop doing that. You're going to see yeah. it and you want to eat it, right? Like you're going to be picking at like the snack bowl or obviously if you have kids that might, I don't know. I don't, I don't work a lot with moms, but that might be a bit different. Like maybe it's nice to always have healthy snacks around or train your kids to eat at regular mealtimes. I don't know. I'm not a parent expert, Yeah. but yeah, that's, that's a like, yeah, that was just a, a, a funny situation that happened yesterday. It's just it's such a reminder of how that can like easily creep up. But that's like, I obviously wasn't hungry, mm-hmm. but there was this thought pattern of like, I also don't think I was an emotional state either. It was just like a habitual like, see That's it. the brain, right? The brain yeah. going back to the fastest, most automated way to spend less calories on a decision. For sure. Um, yeah, but Don't the win is. But the win there is for everybody listening. It's not to get be perfect on the other end, and and this is what I often say. So after my main program, I have a thing called the Consistency Club, and it's it's not the idea of that is actually not built on the consistency of healthy choices per se. It's consistently getting back up, and so yeah. what you did there is the win, which is. It came into my awareness and I altered my behavior. And that's the win. Consistently finding yourself in a situation. It might be before the food. It might be during the food. It might be after the food. The the alarm bell will go off at some point. And the more experienced you get, the sooner in the process it will go off. And it's responding to that with a different response than you've done in the past. And that's really what you're trying to achieve. And I'm talking, you know, you, I know you know this, but like just highlighting to people that the goal of emotional eating work is not to necessarily be, you know, the perfect Instagrammer that lives a salad full, you know, full life kind of thing. It's just being able to navigate emotions because even that Instagrammer has emotional stuff come up um, and has situations like you had. And the same, same for me. I've had that before too, where it's like, oh, I was just totally on autopilot, just not present at all. Um, and yep, now I've got food in my hand. And then it's, you know, the same process of being like, all right, Maddie, you literally teach this stuff. Come on. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> what am I doing? Yep. Come on. Yeah. Put it yeah, back to I, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because that's that's really true. Like I am far from perfect. Like I've done mm-hmm. so much work with this, but it it is like for me, that is the definition of a success is not mm-hmm. exactly that, like not being perfect all the time because that's never gonna happen and it's just yeah. gonna cause more anxiety and stress. But how quickly mm-hmm. I get back up. This is in all areas of my life. Like something goes wrong somewhere or have an argument or something like I don't act in the way that I normally would like to or my higher self. And, you know, like how quickly do I rectify? How quickly do I apologize or to myself or someone else or, you know, get back on track? Like I know so many people, right. Say go away from vacation. And this happens to me. This actually was a couple of weeks ago. I didn't eat my best on vacation. I went camping. Like camping is like, come on. There's snacks. There's snacks. Okay. No, no beers. I'm not a beer, not a beer drinker. <laughs> I would have been all over the beers. <laughs> you would have been in the cooler of beers. Okay. We're going to need a second cooler for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, coming home from that being like, okay, back, back to normal, as opposed to like, well, forget it. I'm just going to keep binging for the, like, what's the point? Mm. I'm just going to, I'll start, I'll start fresh on July 1st. And like, you know, that was, that was my old mentality. And I know so many people like, you know, you have one bad day or one bad night where you're like, Oh, I binged on cookies last night or something. Mm -hmm. Like, can you just get back up and be and, and gentle and kind and loving with yourself. And like, I always like get, get my clients to just start getting super curious. Cause those moments when we cave or when we binge or we have an unhealthy moment, it is such a beautiful and gift opportunity to learn something. Right. Learning something like, oh, I didn't realize that loneliness was a big trigger for me or, oh yeah, I did talk to my mom on the phone last night and it threw me over the edge. Okay. There's Mm -hmm. some things there that I need to look at. So these symptoms, like you said, right. These are all symptoms that the binge eating, the emotional eating. So when we can start to become addicted to looking inward and being Mm -hmm. curious about like, what's really going on. Like you said, the, the five lies or like why times five, <laughs> and, yeah, totally. you know, getting curious about like what, what's under the surface here and what's really going on. Yeah. And, and, and the, the second part of that, I think would be ensuring like you, it, it's kind of nice to have a list of options in your head that you could do instead. But if sugar is still the low barrier to lowest barrier to ent- entry solution, when you're triggered, tired and stressed, it'll be one of those things where you're like, I just keep doing it. So you've got to actively set up whilst you're not triggered uh, all of the, the the helpful tools and your environment. So knowing that at some point today or tomorrow or this week, you're going to feel like that again because you're a human and that's okay. But you've got to set that environment up when you don't feel like that so that when you're there, it's like, oh, I can see a few other options in front of me instead of being like, this is the time that I'm meant to do all of the really hard work and I can't be bothered and the sugar's just there. So I'm going to do that again, right? And it's like when you learn how to argue with a partner. The worst time to do it is when you're triggered. <laughs> like you don't start using new tools when you need them to work, right? Or when you're tired. <laughs> yes. Or when you're trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah. We've had some good ones at night and I'm like, why are we arguing? Like, let's go to sleep. We'll talk about what? it tomorrow. So, so yeah, I think, yeah, just making sure that when we're not triggered, we can set those things up. Like, and the loneliness for a good example is like, you know, making sure that you set up a hobby or set up a regular thing that you go and do. The trigger might not even happen if you start regularly seeing people, right? It's like, you know, cause you're getting that need met throughout the week or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, you got to set that environment up so that the, and, and you're talking about mums and food on the bench. One thing I get, um, people to do is move all of the unhelpful food and we call it mood food so it takes that kind of binary good bad label off it um to a cupboard that they virtually never go into or that's not a part of their routine 
um, or it might be in another room. It might be somewhere else. So that's like out of sight, out of mind. And I think kids has to be the same. Shouldn't be food on the bench. Um, There shouldn't be even healthy food on the bench. It should be eating when my body requires nutrition and the food lives in the fridge or the pantry or, you know, cupboard, whatever. Um, Because yeah, if it's there, we we can still emotionally eat apples. They're hybridized. They're unnaturally sweet. They're plenty of sugar. So it's, you know, you can still trick yourself into thinking you're making uh, a good decision and then eat seven apples in a day. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like Ben could do that. He's the apple man. I rarely eat apples. <laughs> as soon as I stopped eating like oatmeal for breakfast, back when I thought it was like really healthy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat fruit anymore. Like I do. Yeah. I, lo- I, I'll definitely have a, like a fruit snack, not a fruit snack, a fruit mm-hmm. as a snack. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, <laughs> I used to live on fruit snacks. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you call them in Australia. Yeah. No, we've got those. Yeah. Um, yeah. Once in a while I'll have it, but yeah, it's amazing how that just shifts. I'm like, Oh, I don't remember the last time I've eaten a fruit. Um, yeah. But I was going to uh, ask as well, examples. do you, do you see a lot of um, people that also kind of have this secret um, alcohol problem as well? Um, so in my experience, I have a lot of people come in and it takes a while of getting them to know them before, before we really uncover okay, I can't let go of wine every single night. And there's a lot of shame and embarrassment around that. But yeah. I would say it's like seven to eight out of 10 of the people that have been through my program, that's a part of their thing, but they, it just took them a while to get honest with it. Um, yeah. So do you see a lot of that as well? <laughs> yes and no. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's probably because I haven't like, you know, we don't really go into that in the program as much, right? Mm-hmm. We're just focusing more on, um, you know, what's going on underneath versus what are we actually using to cope, you know? So, you know, we assume it's sugar in all of its forms, right. Whether that's Mm -hmm. alcohol or not. Um, but I, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I have seen Mm -hmm. it. I have definitely seen some of it. Um, and I, I would like not be surprised if that was true, if it was seven or eight out of 10, you know, cause there's, you know, but when we, when we start understanding that alcohol is sugar, then I'm just kind of lumping that in the same. Yeah in the same, like, are you using sugar in whatever form it is, right? If it's a piece of bread or candy or wine, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being really intentional with how we're losing, using that. And I'm saying this as a wine lover. I love wine. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I love wine. And I've been in and out with my struggles with that too. Like it's so, it's so ingrained in me as like a self-care tool or like celebration, Treat treat yourself. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely like, something that's, I'm still working through, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not perfect at. And, you know, I think those definitely go hand in hand. I have a friend, another Australian, I don't know if you've ever met Sarah Rusbatch. She's over in Perth. Um, Mm, I've never met her, but we've been on the emails. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. You'd love her. She's, um, she's been sober forever. And she really like a lot of what we're talking about. I've had a lot of really great, like emotional drinking conversations with her. Cause it's very mm-hmm. parallel, right. With yeah. like how we use alcohol and how socially acceptable it is and how, um, you know, pushed we are into using it for everything and, and all mm-hmm. those things. So, um, yeah, she's, you'll, you'll love connecting with her and anybody who's curious about, you know, m- maybe noticing some, some of those alcohol dependencies, or she talks about like a gray area drinking, right. There's this whole like new thing I never heard about before. It's like, have you heard of gray area drinking? Obviously. No, no. Okay. So really interesting. Cause like I started hearing about it, um, from a, f- a family member not long ago was reading a book about it. Cause she was struggling with alcohol and and I was like, what the heck is this? So, and, and I'm seeing more and more like rare area coaches popping up. And essentially right. it's this understanding that like, you know, a lot of people are not alcoholics, 
but we're still maybe in the gray area below that yeah. where we're like, you know, we're not drinking all day long, but maybe you're not making it through the evening without a couple glasses of wine. Right. Or you just yeah. feel like that need for it. Um, mm -hmm. you're not an alcoholic, but you're still, you know, drinking in a dependent kind of way. Um, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like this gray, gray area drinking it's called. So super fascinating. Anyone who's curious about that, go, go check out mm. Sarah. Um, that's probably yeah, what that's the women that I work with would definitely fall into. Like definitely yeah. don't consider themselves alcoholics. Like, yeah. you know, don't get drunk. It's like one well, glass alcohol. Yeah. When you think of alcohol, yeah. you're hardcore. It's like, I get up in the morning, I'm drinking all day. I'm showing up to yeah. work drunk, like all that. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's no shame in that. Like I have one of my best friends is a recovered alcoholic. And I just, I'm so fascinated by her story. I'm always asking her questions of like how, you know, all the things that she's been through and she's lived a wild yeah. life, but, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's a journey for all of us. And, and oh, totally. there's so much shame. Like, I know I've, I've dealt with that in the past, like really mm -hmm. like in my food stuff with wine, with emotions, with like mm -hmm. my sexuality, I'm actually working through some layers of shame around that right now, which is like, there's just, you know, and I think people, like when we start talking about addictions in general, and we're kind of not talking about emotional eating anymore, but I guess it is because shame could be, you know, is labeled yeah. as an emotion. Right. And I think that is like, for most, according to like Gabor Mate, I'm a huge fan of his and the work that he does Same. in like the addiction space. He's really hitting home, right? Like the root of all addiction is trauma and essentially shame that comes from that is right. And like, yeah, how we didn't get what we needed. And, and now, you know, we're either ashamed of who we are, or there's a big difference between being ashamed of like who we are as a human and mm -hmm. something we did. Right. Yeah. So it's the who we are as a human. Like I'm ashamed of myself and I don't love myself and I hate mm -hmm. myself. Like that's going to drive us 10 out of 10 times into some sort of addictive behavior, yeah. whether it's masturbation or <laughs> sugar <laughs> or like, yeah. you know, sh shopping or whatever. Xbox um, gaming, like Xbox porn. gaming. Yeah. 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 Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, that's probably a whole like deep dive for an, for another day for sure. So we've, we've <laughs> talked a little bit and I want to like, I want to make sure that we both hit on this because this is like, yeah. you know, we've had such a good chat back and forth, but how do people navigate out? I know you've shared some super awesome tools that I'm like, I'm going to use, but <laughs> for myself, for myself, no plagiarism for myself, but, um, uh, no, there's no competition here. <laughs> I love you. We've so had like, that how do we, yeah. How do we, how do we start? Yeah. How do we actually, you know, how do you support your clients in, in like, you know, sh shifting this pattern and getting out of the habit of emotional eating? Yeah. So in the beginning, like um, it's that reflection on what the patterns that currently exist and figuring out why they exist and understanding yourself more. And then it's about building out a toolbox of alternative ways to manage your emotion, process emotion, become emotionally literate. Um, and then every time that situation arises, we get more and more familiar with it. It's more and more in our awareness. And we literally just start using alternative tools. So in the beginning, obviously, like I said, many situations we're unable to express the problem or the issue or, you know, our rage at the time. And so we, we still need to go through that cycle. Like we said, of like, instead of the sugar, it might be a hug or instead of the, the coffee and a muffin down at the cafe, it might be a walk around the block and a phone call to someone, you know, an alternative way to manage that until we can actually get to dealing with it. So yeah, the main thing is building out that toolbox and um, that also involves that toolbox also involves scripts to communicate to your social network, um, your partner and how to phrase these things and literally practicing those scripts in the mirror. Cause a lot of people, you know, get to those situations on Friday night or at dinner time or whatever, 
and they kind of like oh well you know i'm just uh, yeah I'm, I'm just you know i just want to kind of do it and <laughs> nothing really comes out <laughs> right because it's husbands particularly i've worked with a lot of women whose husbands are not on board and they're annoyed that they've spent money on yet another diet program that's not going to work and uh, and some husbands that are just actively sabotaging um look probably some couples counseling and divorce is necessary in some cases, but in most cases, it's just back to that communication piece, which is, um, and I really think communicating in regards to your wellness and coming from a place of truth, not just like, Oh yeah, you know, just giving this one a go, you know, being like, I'm really, really sick of feeling awful in my body. Like, I don't know if you know, but like when I eat these foods, I actually go through a lot of pain, um, you know, whatever it is for you and communicate it in, in regards to your wellness. And, and I'm really just trying to make my life better. And I want my kids to grow up healthy and, and have it like, it's like two minutes of really meaningful explanation for the people that you do. You don't have to explain yourself to anyone, but the reality is we are social creatures and we kind of do. Um, we've got to explain what's going on for us to be able to, you know, get the world around us to move in the right way. Um, and it, almost everybody should respond with fair enough. Okay, cool. You do you. Anyone that doesn't do that off the Christmas card list, gone. Yeah. They're Especially shit. If it's your husband. <laughs> no card for yes. you. <laughs> like literally, if you talk about your wellness and in an honest yeah. way, you know, and somebody is like, idiot <laughs> or yeah. like, whatever yeah. you know it's just like piss off go away i don't need well, this in my space <laughs> really starts to show you like who's there to show up for you right like who are your real yeah. friends i think this last i mean for me definitely i think we've talked about this outside right of this but like this last two years has really taught me some of the people in my life that don't really need to be in my life um yeah. <laughs> you know don't really respect me and like honor my choices for me right mm-hmm. so yeah like it's a, it's a tricky one, right? When, when those are like yeah. maybe close people to you, I had a client who like had to do that with her sister and another one with her best friend, right? It's like people that you just mm-hmm. notice just can't support you where you need them to support you and don't, don't yeah. respect your choices, right. To do another program or, mm-hmm. you know, cause of their own shit, right. They've got their own ego going on, trying to like keep you where you are. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, but it's, it is really telling and a really great opportunity for you to start noticing who's mm-hmm. really there to show up for you and who's trying yeah. to keep you unhealthy. Unconsciously, usually subconscious, unconsciously, subconsciously. I was joking with Ben yesterday. I was going to make a meme. I've reached a new state of consciousness, unconsciousness. <laughs> I was going to do a <laughs> meme because I, I was like pretty sure I wanted to pass out in the sauna last night. I was in there way too long and did not have enough electrolytes. So I was like, I need more water. <laughs> right. I was like, I'm going to reach unconsciousness. Anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a new, it's the new rage, everybody. Unconsciousness. That sounds enlightening. Where all the like 60 human beings are hanging out. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, what do, yeah. what do you think? What do you think for walking out? Or oh, the other thing I would say before I pass it back over to you, but it's just that it's a journey. It takes time. I'm really big on my mantra one tweak a week, like yeah. this stuff, you know, it's essentially an ide- identity transformation which exactly. in some regards involves in step it involves stepping into a new version of yourself and possibly grieving an old p- version of yourself or going through some kind of ego death, you know? Yeah. Um, and that stuff doesn't happen overnight. It happens one small step at a time, one sugary situation at a time, one evening of wine at a time, and just understand that this is a journey. We got here, usually everyone I talk to after 30 or 40 years of going one way, and now we're just like a couple of weeks into going a new way. So it's, it's going to take time and give yourself grace and, and space and acceptance in order for it mm-hmm. to be a journey that takes as long as it needs to take. 
Yeah. And this is where like you and I are just so radically different than the masses, right? Because <laughs> like we're, we're here. I mean, I, I know that I can say we, cause I know you really well, right. We're here to like really try to wake people up to this yeah. truth that there's no quick fix, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we get so addicted to the quick fix, right? Like, oh, I'll help yeah. you, you know, lose a hundred pounds in 10 weeks. And like, nobody can guarantee that. Right. And this, when we start exactly like when we start really getting into creating new neural pathways that have been there for 50 or 60 years, like it's going to take some time. And before you know it, yeah. one day you'll recognize, I remember, I remember like, you know, in my mind, like some of these moments where I like dealt with an emotion in a healthy way. And I remember being like, Oh, I'm doing it. Like all of a sudden, like you said, it becomes who you are, right? Like you start yeah. literally operating at a different way and a different, you know, vibration and frequency. And like, you just start, you'll just start noticing one day that you're like, huh, I would have usually just eaten my, eaten myself into oblivion after a difficult argument with my mom. And look at me. I'm not, I'm actually out for a walk or I'm like, you know, having a bath or whatever it is, or having a dance, dancing it out or something. Right. So it's, it'll just happen one day. And it's really beautiful if you stay the course. And this is where like, you know, Maddie and I will both agree. Like it's so important to have community and the right guidance Mm. and the right, like I'm six years into this emotional journey and I still catch myself. Like there's still work (laughs) to be done. So there's new emotions and traumas that come up all the time because I'm looking for them. (laughs) It doesn't help. (laughs) <laughs> well, and it, even though those little, little wins, they feel little, like you should really celebrate them in a big way, because yeah. in order to create this new identity, your old identity didn't celebrate wins. You just focused on the negative things most likely. Totally. And, and right. And so literally in the beginning, it, when you do the thing and you're like, oh my God, I just went to the supermarket and didn't buy anything. And I'm not eating on the way home. You literally should just be like, Yes. Oh my God. This is amazing. So you feel literally when, you know, when you're happy and proud, you get the goosebumps and the tingle down your spine. You want to confirm to your nervous system that a really good thing has just happened. So that's like the, the actual physical, you know, um, neurological thing that needs to happen to confirm it's kind of like that bridge between you know the the emotions and the personality and like the actual hardware of your body you need to tell the hardware that something good has happened so that your emotions can be like oh this is this is a safe space right this is a good place to hang out so i think it's yeah really celebrating the wins and i had somebody jump on a consistency call last week and she was like i literally just get on here because we talk about our wins and i don't do that anywhere else in my life <laughs> yeah yeah and how quickly are we to also downplay our wins we're like no nah, i have a lot of my clients that are like no nah, it wasn't that big of a deal right like or yeah I, I cried last week for the first time in 10 years but it was like nothing else really happened and i'm like excuse me you did what like let's come back to huge. that let's <laughs> let's just like rewind for a second cuz what just happened you like actually felt an emotion for the first time in 10 years like mm-hmm. why are we not jumping with joy and celebrating that like that's yeah that's such a huge piece as well that we need to remember mm-hmm. we start every week every call in in my program with with that like what's your win like it sounds like Same. you do that too like we're yep. We're starting with a win because it's so our, our old selves, right? The tendency is to go right into complaining or right into like, I'm struggling, right? And we'll never end up, we'll never feel like we're making progress because we're like always, there's always going to be a new level, a new thing to work towards. We're never, yeah. we're never there, by the way, in case anybody didn't know that secret, we're never there. There's no <laughs> final destination, <laughs> even death, depending on what you believe. Yeah. But, um, you know, like remembering to celebrate actually helps you 
recognize that you're making progress, right? And then you're like, oh, I am changing or these things are working. I am improving. Oh, Mm -hmm. I am getting healthier, right? If we don't, we're just always going to be, the the goalpost is always being moved, right? You lose that five pounds. Well, now I need to lose another five. Like it's never, how often do we just sit in that? Like, I did it. I made it, right? It's always like, what's next? So like, we need to, we need to honor that too. And we're amazing. And we need to remember that. Hundred percent. Just like we talked about creating space to to let the the pain and the uncomfortable and heavy emotions exist, we yeah. also need to create space to celebrate wins and positivity yeah. and acknowledgement. Um, yeah. Because yeah, they're both equally uh, important and worthy of acknowledgement. Yeah, 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 in a big way. Yeah. Uh, so coming back, uh, I'll share my two bits on that. <laughs> Obviously, there's like there's so many nuances, and it was so hard to for even for you, right, to have this conversation. But kind of. When it comes to like, how do we step out of emotional eating? Um, it sounds like we have a lot of similarity in this, um, mm-hmm. but maybe slight differences as well. So I kind of approach it from, um, from two, like two areas, two steps, you can call it. And I will actually call them steps. Um, the first one is to learn to make friends with your feelings. So actually mm-hmm. feeling. And the second one is processing emotions. So mm-hmm. similar to what you're doing, you know, the step, step one, and I always, I have to hit this home a million times because it's so easy for us to want to get into this processing emotions. Cause that's mm-hmm. doing something. I know how to do things. I want to do something different. I want to do a new habit. I want to go for a walk or like do yeah. something about this emotion to make it go away. So mm-hmm. I believe that that is like, that needs to wait. And we yeah. really need to spend a lot of time in the first stage to make friends with these emotions. So we know Mm -hmm. that it's safe to feel stressed or it's safe to feel anxiety. It's safe to feel grief. It's safe to Mm -hmm. feel sadness. So we have to first start like creating space in our day to tune in because you're right. Like we, we spend, and this was me, I was busy all the time. I used to joke Mm -hmm. that it was genetically handed down from my dad because he's always puttering, (laughs) always doing something like maybe, maybe, maybe there's some of that there, but it's definitely been patterned for me to like be busy all the time. Look busy stay active to avoid my emotions, right? This is another (laughs) way that we avoid our emotions. So when you actually create space to slow down, you can actually hear your intuition. You can hear, you feel your emotions. So this is why so many people are agitated in loneliness because they're like, oh my God, I have nothing to do or boredom. That was my biggest trigger. Cause I'm like, I'm bored. Oh my God. That means I'm going to have to like feel something and like (laughs) hear myself. And that's a scary unknown place to be. So we need to start making friends with that space. So that's why I call it making friends with your feelings and, and actually booking in time, even if it's like five minutes a day, right. To just sit, it doesn't have not a meditation. It can be like, sit outside with a cup of tea and look at the trees or, you know, go barefoot in the grass and, you know, whatever that like moment of peace and tranquility can be for you. Uh, maybe it's in the bathroom. Cause that's the only place you get privacy from your kids or whatever it is <laughs> to just tune in. And just check in with yourself. And, and as you progress through that, the goal is then to start practicing when an emotion comes up to pause with it, to, yeah. to hang out with it for a couple of minutes, take some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. Don't try to make it go away. Cause this will be your immediate response will be, okay, I'm feeling stressed. And your mind will be like, how do I get out of it? How do I get out of it? Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. So it's about like, just literally practicing day by day. I'm going to be with my stress. Like, well, mm-hmm. where does it, where does it feel in my body? right? Why am I stressed? Yeah. Maybe if you want to, right. And just like getting curious about stress, right. Or anxiety mm-hmm. or whatever's coming up. So there's a whole lot of work to be done there. Like learning to slow down, learning to take that time to tune in, learning how to repattern, 
these safety mechanisms and, and rewire mm-hmm. our belief systems about emotions. Yeah. All that sort of stuff is kind of in that stage one. And then only then once you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm making some progress. Like when I feel emotional, I don't feel that escape, that mm-hmm. escape mechanism showing up as much, then yeah. we can absolutely start building in some processing techniques. So this is like the tools that you, sounds like very similar to you, right? Where we can start to build new patterns and habits for, okay, when these things come up, how can I support my body? So very big difference here that I want to highlight that I really preach is that there's a very big difference between processing an emotion and using some sort of healthy other habit to also numb out, Mm -hmm. right. To escape the emotion. So we're not escaping and it's a fine line, right? There's like going for a beautiful nature walk while listening to a podcast, I would argue is escaping because you're not Mm -hmm. with yourself. You're not in your body. You're not in your emotion. You're thinking about something else. You're distracting yourself. So think as you're processing, are you distracting or are you being present in your body and with yourself? Mm -hmm. So there's so many ways, right? And each emotion is going to be different, you know, in how you want to process that. I'm a huge proponent of dance. We start all of our group calls with dance. I always put on a dance party. We get in our bodies. We shake out whatever needs to be shake, shooken, shaked out anyway (laughs) for the day. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, that's my feminine side as well. That's my main go-to tool. Um, mm-hmm. Using your voice is really powerful. I mean, there's so many things you can do, obviously connecting with nature, having a hug, you know, all these mm-hmm. things. And you have to start playing around. I always encourage my clients to start, like start a list of knowing your top, like trigger emotions. We all have some really major trigger ones. Like mine was always boredom. Most people mm-hmm. it's like stress or, you know, uh, loneliness or these sorts of things. So get clear on like your main trigger ones and start there. Yeah. And then start getting curious about like making a list of like, next time I'm stressed, what do I think could support me with that instead? Right. And Mm -hmm. make a list. I actually have a whole PDF document in my program. That's like a hundred ideas of processing emotions, pick and choose like what works for you. So there's so many ways to do it and there's no one right way, but it's about practicing what works for you. So for Mm -hmm. some people like anger, right. For some people, you know, going to the gym and doing some boxing is really going to be helpful. Right. Uh, but for me, yeah. I enjoyed the rage writing. Right. Or I really enjoy like actually for me, anger actually processes out really well with tears as well. Like I love to mm-hmm. cry when I'm angry or to go for a run. Um, those sorts of things really work for me. So mm-hmm. you have to start experimenting with what feels good to me in these emotional states and then and then start practicing it right? Over time, yeah. practice, continue being with your emotion. It's not like, oh, I'm angry. I need to escape right away. We need to repattern mm-hmm. that. And and then we can start supporting that energy to actually move out of us. Yeah, and the most frustrating yeah. part, I, I wonder if you've noticed this too. I know that we've both been on an emotional roller coaster for years, <laughs> supporting each other with that. But, you know, one of the things that I've always struggled with was like trying to rush the emotion, right? Like mm-hmm. say I'm going through grief, like when Ben's dad passed away and I was like, oh, I'm tired of grief. Like I've felt it. I've cried. Why is it still here? It's been a week. Like, why is it still here? Go away. So we can be doing all the right things. And sometimes like I have to joke, right. An emotion has its own timeline and we can't rush it. You can't be like, okay, I'm going to have a good cry. And then it's going to be gone. Like, unfortunately (laughs) we can't like, this is where we have to trust and surrender. And like, sometimes those big emotions, they need some space. And sometimes the emotion might not even be current. It might be like, I'm feeling sad because my dog passed away yesterday but now it's bringing up sadness from my whole childhood (laughs) and yeah, totally. And it's all coming out. So we have to be patient with that. Um, I know that's something I always struggle with because I'm like, hurry up. Like I cried. (laughs) It should be gone. Have you ever, I don't want to feel like this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I'm done. This sucks. It's funny as you were talking there too, like 
Um, so I've got a pro program running at the moment. We're in the early half. So mine, and maybe this is where our stuff is a little bit different, is that I have about half psychology. So we do the mind and then we go to the nutrition, the gut health, the body stuff. And so in the first half, because everyone's conditioned to diet culture, it's like, hey, Maddie, what, what should I have for breakfast? Or what should I have here? How should I eat this? What do you think yeah. of this? And what I do every time we run this program for the first few weeks is we're doing the mind stuff. We're doing the mindset and your, your ego and your brain is looking for the fastest way to do the least amount of work, which is Maddie, just tell me what to do. Yeah. And the whole point of this work is that we're bringing all of this out of the unconscious. We're bringing it all out of, you know, the parts of the brain that are automated back into awareness to do the work. So if we get, if we jump to how can I automate this process as fast as possible, no progress will happen. It will just be a thing you tried one time. It'll be on the list of diets that don't work, you know? So it's like, yeah, I, I, I get that with people too. It's like escapism, essentially. Tell me what to eat, right? Yeah. It's like, hang on. No, we've got to do the really conscious work before we get to being conscious about the healthy food. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that too. I, I don't think our programs are that different with that. Like we spend a solid four weeks Mm -hmm. before going off sugar. Like I do do a detox period support in, in gotcha. my program. So we do like, we get deep into like what's really going on and how we want to show up and all the like deep stuff before we even talk about, and I get the same thing. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, d what's the meal plan and, and what's the, like all the, the 3d questions, right. The external yeah. environmental factors, that's the easy stuff to do. So yeah. we're going to start with the hard stuff because that's really where change comes from, right? When we start thinking and believing and feeling differently, we don't, and, and I'm so passionate about this. This is like very much the focus of my program is, is learning to really be in your own power and trust your body again. Right. Mm -hmm. So then, and I'm willing to bet you notice that too, like after you do the mindset stuff, people don't need to answer, ask you a question anymore. Right. They're like, I know what's yeah. right for me. Or like, yeah. I'm going to eat what feels like based off of what I know right. From all this amazing nutritional information, like I'm going to try different recipes for breakfast, or I'm going to figure mm -hmm. out what works for me, not what's going to work for Maddie. Right. Totally. So it's like really, I think we're both on that, that mission to help people step back into their power. We've outsourced yeah. our health for our whole lives. It's like the doctor knows what's good for me. This magazine and documentary knows how I should eat and what's going to make me feel the best. And it's such a lie. We all need different things and we need to figure out what works for our unique selves. Same with this emotional eating process. Like it's so it's yeah. not black and white, nothing is. And we need to stop looking for that quick answer and, and learn how to tune back in and listen to our own intuition, our own body. You mm -hmm. know, how many people go against what their body's telling them, right? Because oh, of some totally. sort of, some sort of documentary they saw that told them they have to do X, Y, and Z. Like yeah. eat kale all day long. And you're like, oh, kale, oh, my body. <laughs> I'm going to eat kale because somebody told me to eat kale, right? Yeah. I'm growing kale right now in my garden. It's not doing well. <laughs> it's not growing. I may not be eating kale. <laughs> oh, you're funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah, I agree. Fundamentally, all of this stuff is learning to trust self and self intuitively knows what's right. Um, but we've just silenced it for so very long. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's important also to, you know, like not mix up trauma and, and intuition as well. Like, is that yeah. is a whole, whole other conversation, like, yeah. because it's good to trust your intuition, but, um, your intuition was also cultivated in the same environment that your trauma happened. Right. So you can have some gut feelings about things that are based on a traumatic past. 
Um, and so, which is, you know, the art of separating your true intuition and trauma. Yeah. Interesting way of looking at it. I, I kind of disagree, but it might just be my definition of intuition. Mm-hmm. Cause when I think of my intuition and that's interesting, cause that is a big word that can probably have multiple meanings. Right. But totally. when I think of it, I'm thinking of that deep connection with my inner truth and my higher self, which was mm-hmm. not created through trauma. That mm-hmm. is like my soul, essentially mm-hmm. my soul's voice. It's yeah, like, yeah. what is right for me at such a deep, like in, intuitive level, like my, mm-hmm. my, my true higher self, uh, mm-hmm. which is beyond, you know, uh, from the moment I came onto this earth, that was, that was there, that, that truth. Mm-hmm. And like my, my inner deep knowing of like what I need to do and what I need not to do, but you're right. Yeah. Like, of course, trauma can come through as like, you know, it's going to come through in that belief system. It's going to come through yeah. our patterns. It's going to come through in emotional responses to things. So mm-hmm. we do definitely, you know, not rely on those things, right? We have to be careful to totally. for sure. Like, oh, okay. This thing makes me feel angry. I shouldn't do it. Well, wait, like, is that real? Or is it, has it been a conditioned response from a trauma situation? Yeah. Which, which is the art of like learning to tease them apart and comes all the way back around to where we started about developing self-awareness and like, is this real hunger? is this yeah. really how I feel of it about this, yeah. you know? Yeah. So is that like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like now might be a good time to sort of wrap things up. Like, what would you say mm-hmm. would be some places for people to start or some takeaways? You, I mean, you were just kind of starting to list that, which made me think of that question, right? Like <laughs> for people now, I mean, obviously we talked about a lot, you know, what are some, what are some pieces that people can take away and maybe start with, or, mm-hmm. um, you know, start getting in, in curious and some tools. Maybe I know you shared a lot, but um daniellesdame.com yes yes maddielansdown.com <laughs> brand new website it's beautiful <laughs> check out maddie's new website it is beautiful don't look at mine <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, both of those are great places to start um i've got a bunch of articles on there and you've got a heap of content as well so th- that's good obviously my podcast your podcast um but tangibly in one's physical reality in the 3d life that you are living um making space understanding that this takes practice Um, And it doesn't mean that you need to be like, all right, for eight hours every Saturday, these are literally two minute things. And I think a really good space to start is just like you do with your clients is pause before you eat, like just for 10 seconds, like consciously make the decision to eat. Like that's a, that's a really, really good um, thing to start practicing. And because you're bringing consciousness into what you're doing with food, that'll start to go out into other areas and you'll, you'll start picking up on like, oh, this is how I show up for that or this is how I engage with that or I didn't even realize that that's been happening for 15 years. Um, and, and I think that's a really low barrier to entry place to start. Um, and even if what you uncover, and I talk with my clients a lot about this, in that conscious moment, even if you uncover that you're not do, about to do something very helpful, um, it's not, it's not always, we shouldn't judge it. We shouldn't, it's not yeah. always a thing to, that has to be interrupted. Um, and it might be like, I'm emotionally eating right now. I'm a, responding to this situation. Um, and the, the, the little win in there um, is the fact that you've got the awareness. And that's, that's where we start. A lot of the times, once you've got this knowledge, you catch yourself in the middle of the shit <laughs> and you're like, damn it, I learned about this. I know this stuff. But actually what I'd love you to do is change that story and be like, it's happening right now. All right. I see what's going on now, you know, and that real curiosity of like, I get it. So yeah. next time when it happens, I'm going to give something different a go, right? Rather, because if you start beating yourself up, the whole self-sabotage loop just continues as it always has. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, that's a really, really easy place to start. What about you? What do you think? 
So good. Ditto. Ditto, everybody. Ditto. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I call that like loving curiosity. Right. Mm -hmm. And I observe that too myself. Like I'm making a a poor choice right now, but that's okay to still make that choice. Like that awareness is so, because mm. what's not like automatically going to happen is the more you are in that moment of awareness, like, oh, I'm choosing to emotionally eat right now. Then it's a choice. Mm. And then yeah. you're going to notice like tomorrow, maybe you do it one last time than you did yesterday. Maybe you actually like make a better choice. Like, oh, I'm emotionally eating. I'm going to go for a walk instead. And you direct, you direct. Right. And then the next day you end up doing it twice. And then before you know it, like that's your norm. You're, you're doing that more than you're, you're turning to the food. So you're like, that pause is so powerful. And, and over naturally that awareness of -hmm. what you're doing is going to create you and cause you to make different choices in the future. Um, Maybe not in the moment. And yeah, sometimes you may still choose. Like I totally still sometimes choose to, to numb out on Netflix and I'm like, I don't want to deal with this right now. Um, I'm Netflix and like, (laughs) I'm having a glass of wine and I'm Netflixing tonight, but I'll be back to this later. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And that's okay. You know, if you're doing it with intention and love for yourself, you know, I think all of this coming back to, to like how much of what we do is really fueling the fire of self-hatred and diet mentality and, mm-hmm. and this war that we have against ourselves. And yeah. I, I always love like opposing this to my clients, in my program, like, how's that working? Like we look at the state of our world and health, like we've been like restricting and, and binging or, you know, restrict and binge and, and guilting ourselves and trying to do all these diets and shaming ourselves and willpowering ourselves into like being healthy for a month. And, it's clearly not working. Like clearly there is a different way. Like, I feel like a lot of my clients are just like done with this fight, right? It's like always fighting against your body, fighting against food. And it's like, what if we could approach this journey to health with love and acceptance Mm. and gentleness and more feminine energy. And, um, I've seen that be such a more supportive way to live because ultimately we know how, how harmful stress is for the body as well. Mm-hmm. I would say it's probably better to eat a brownie a day than to like not sleep and be stressed all the time. Right. Like those probably, things are yeah. super toxic. Eat the brownie, <laughs> sleep really well and don't stress about it. You're going to like, look at Italy, right. They drink wine and eat pasta all day. And they're so relaxed because they don't like stress themselves out. They take three hours off in the afternoon. I think we should start that here as well. Yes, um, <laughs> bring them back. Yes. 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 Um, anyway, yeah, there's so many other factors to this, right. And it's not all about like never eating junk food. I definitely eat junk food and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really that relation to it and how you're approaching it that helps it assimilate, helps it get flushed out, helps it actually be dealt with in the body instead of like being this extra stress response. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So Amazing. that's, yeah, I pretty much just ditto what you, what you said <laughs> and be curious. Right. And, and, um, start writing this down, like even start connecting with like, you know, sitting with yourself and checking in with what do I feel in my body? Right. If you mm-hmm. can't label emotions yet, like really starting at ground zero with that, keep a journal, yeah. like just get curious and, um, and then, you know, hang out more with Maddie and I, and we've, yeah, we've definitely got lots of resources to help you kind of take those next steps and, um, totally. We're both here to support you with that. This is, yeah, this has been so fun. Thanks. Totally. Thanks for recording this. Thanks for being willing yeah. to record. This is awesome. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been really good to just hash this conversation out. And I love that we recorded it. You know, the first time we've had it, we recorded it. So yeah, I was can... like, oh boy, I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. Are we going to, are we going <laughs> to argue? No. <laughs> 
It would have been possibly entertaining. <laughs> it would have. I, I was kind of hoping. I was like, I hope Maddie says something that just fires me up. But <laughs> Let's dig for some stuff. We might be able to put together some good episodes. <laughs> yeah, we might have to do something else. We're, we're two on the same page with this, which obviously tells something, right? Like we're both coming at this from a different angle, but coming to very similar conclusions about like how we navigate out of this. And um, I think that's really powerful to see um, as yeah, well. Absolutely. We must be doing something right. <laughs> we're giving it a red hot crack <laughs> yeah yeah well our clients think so i mean all the people that made through my program you know definitely like, you're doing something right so totally. there's yeah there's wisdom to this and maddie and i have been both been doing this and helping helping women with this for years now so we have mm-hmm. the proof it's not just our own lived experience that you know we've seen this work in action and it's pretty yeah. pretty life-changing um and fuels fuels my soul definitely doing this work and yeah. Having conversations with you, of course, feel my soul too. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in to this little chitty, chitty chat. And, uh, <laughs> I'll see you next week, Maddie, probably. You definitely will. I'll be there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you're loving what we talked about today, please remember to subscribe, leave a review and share this episode with someone you love. And if you're ready to dive deeper into discovering your root causes and patterns that are keeping you hooked on sugar, be sure to check out our brand new free workshop series that will help you kick emotional eating for good. Find the link to download this free series and other amazing resources in the show notes below.